chapter 10, keeping balance in prayer, which we need to have in our lives, which also will balance what we practice. Faith, love, will move us in our present actions. Hope will move us in our future actions. Can we put a priority on teachings from God's Word, which would have a balancing effect? Can there be a first or a second important order, generally speaking, on what is taught from the Word of God? Yes, I believe so. And the Word of God will bear this thought out also. This will help us to see what should be first in our lives. Notice, if you will, 1 Corinthians 12, 30, and the 31st verse. One of these areas of balance could be just growing balanced in God by acting in love. 1 Corinthians 12, 30, and 31. Have all gifts of healing. Do all speak in tongues. Do all interpret. But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Here in this 30th and the 31st verses of 1 Corinthians, we can see these statements, thoughts about manifestations of God's Spirit among believers, which is one side of the dual working of the Spirit. We can say by these statements here in these verses that we all do not at the same time have these manifestations in function. But there could be someone who could say that some of these manifestations are functioning in their life at some time. But notice the charge and the thought covet earnestly, the best gifts. Since this epistle is written to the church, it would be the everyday church believer who is supposed to be strongly desiring these gifts, or the manifestation of these gifts. If we are to seek these gifts, then out of necessity, we would not be continually experiencing them. If we are to keep on seeking the greater grace gifts, as it literally says in this 31st verse, We are to keep on seeking these gifts of God or manifestation of these gifts, or at least the greater ones which are needed for any local church. If anyone would have to seek them, and the thought is you will find them, it makes common sense you do not have what you are seeking, yes? And this verse here in 1 Corinthians 12 is a list of nine manifestations of God and His Spirit. God desires that the local church or every believer to be seeking these manifestations because it's written in 1 Corinthians 12. But remember from what we have already said, God wants to be on the throne of our hearts, or spirit inside of us, and that is produced by truth and being more mature. But if God's word would have stopped right there, well, desiring these gifts, it would be all about manifestations which are spectacular, in a sense, or it would only be about half of the dual working of the spirit subject matter in the New Testament. But notice what God went on to say, and yet I show you a more excellent way. That would mean more or greater than the desire for these manifested nine gifts. God's written word goes on to show us what the subject matter of the more excelling way is. Looking at the context of what he said, the more excelling way is about love and more love being expressed, which love would be one of the fruit of the Spirit and that being a part of the other half of the dual working of the Spirit of God in a Christian's life, which is also one of the doctrines or ways to prove we are healthy or sound. If I am sound in faith and sound in love, and love and faith is something I and you can see, then it is a way to show we are sound in our actions and sound by these qualities, which we are living. And this, of course, would and could show us how to be sound in prayer. Or you could say, being balanced in prayer. The fruit of the Spirit is a more balanced way or sound way consistently than compared to the nine manifestations. 
although we need God and his manifestations in prayer. And I would go on to say, though, that the fruit of the Spirit in our lives are far more needed in the interim between the times when these manifestations are not in function. The believer by his own will cannot turn on these nine manifestations. But on the other side, the believer can produce these qualities of fruit more and more as he learns of them and chooses to yield to them. Staying balanced or sound spiritually takes fruit, and fruit again starts inside of your spirit man, by knowledge residing inside of us. The fruit which we have seen already is faith, love, and patience. Faith equaling word-given trust. If you were sound in faith, it would mean sound in scriptures. Can we prove our faith in any area of prayer by God's word? Do the scriptures of God give us proof about prayer? And the very act of praying, sound by truth, sound by truth. Again, I know there is no one Christian or minister who is perfect in God's kingdom yet. So we should strive to hear and prove all things which are taught and told by someone to be practiced by God's written word. Thus, sound or balanced in faith is really balanced in word and thus fruit producing. Secondly, we have sound in love. This subject in God's word is very easy to see by all the scriptures, especially these in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 and others, but mainly love the love from God that was shed abroad in our hearts, first, it is not selfish. It is not self-seeking. Prayer, when it is balanced, will not be selfish. A person will not need to be seen or have to be heard or stand out to all. Or maybe in a church situation, pray in front of all. Or prayer will not only be about you or yourself. Prayer, though, is the whole spectrum from thanksgivings to intercessions. The thought, look at me, look at what I am doing for God. God's love, which is sound or balanced, is not this way. Someone who is praying, which has to bring some kind of physical attention to themselves, is really a selfish person or earthly. Jesus told us not to pray as religious people prayed in his day, as Matthew 6, 5 tells us. Love will not promote itself. Love will not promote humanity over God or even worldliness over God's written word. That would be to say, what the world is doing, which God's written word says is wrong, is what we the church should not be doing. The written word of God is clear. Worldliness is not God's divine plan for his church nor any individual believer. And of course, wrong is wrong. There are some things which are just not right. They are not a right practice for any church. Look at Ephesians 4, 17-18. Ephesians 4, 17-18. For this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that from henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Rotherham states this, This therefore I am saying and protesting in the Lord, that no longer you walk as even the nations walk in the vanity of their minds, being darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God, by the reason of the ignorance that exists within them, by reason of their hearts being turned into stone. Pannon states it as, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that you no longer should walk as the nations also walk, in the vanity of their mind, being darkened in their understandings, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their hearts. The EBM text says, 
This I say therefore, and I am solemnly testifying in the Lord, that you all are no longer to walk, just as also the nations are walking in the vanity of their mind, being in the state of having been darkened in the active thoughts, that being in the state of having been alienated from the life of God, because the ignorance, that is, the ignorance existing in them, on account of the hardness of their heart. We can see here by the verses here in Ephesians, translated by Rotherham Pannon and myself, that by what truth is abiding inside of us, or the lack of it, will affect our lives, and if we work backwards from these verses stating from the 18th verse, our heart's active thoughts, and that being our minds of our hearts inside of us. It is stating that these Gentile people were alienated from the life of God or its life-changing effects. Obviously, all non-Christians do not even have the life of God in them, but both worldly and Christians could have a lack of truth inside of them. It is the light of the gospel which gives enough truth to inspire a lost person to act in faith to receive Jesus as Lord. So if we would think about this, this lack of truth to some extent could also emphasize Christians which do have ignorance of the same truth in them. The word heart, as in most Bible references, is a figure of speech referring to the place inside of humans, that being the inner man or spirit of man, as Psalms 51, 6, and 10, Romans 2, 28, and 29, and Ephesians 3, 16, and 17 tell us. And of course, the figurative use of the word heart is literally stating the place inside of us, that being the spirit and its mind, and also the mind's act of thinking, or thoughts which can be thought, which need to have sound truth in them. I would like to point out this fact of heart here a little stronger in this Ephesians 4th chapter, which is telling Christians or believers that they can no longer act like other non-Christian people. It states here how the Gentiles are practicing things, and of course the Christians are not to practice things like them. That would be wrong worldly things. In trying to emphasize the idea of the heart, Notice first the phrase in the 18th verse, the ignorance that is in them. In the Greek text, which is beneath our English New Testament, it would look like this, tain, agnoian, tain, usin, and autois. And it would sound like this literally, because the ignorance that is the ignorance existing in them, this Greek noun, which is translated into our English language, comes from the Greek noun agonian. This being an accusative noun here, and this accusative noun comes from the Greek word agnoia, meaning ignorance. But literally, it comes from two words, ag, a negative, and the Greek word noia or naas, meaning a thought of the mind. So this Greek word, which was translated ignorance in English, would really give us the idea that here, in this context, that there is a lack of thought about divine things. So all biblical ignorance, in a sense, is a lack of divine truth or thoughts about truth. When we do not have truth inside of us, it could be, to some degree, ignorance. It would, though, be rebellion and ignorance if we refuse to have God's truth in our hearts. But really, it is a lack of truth in our mind's thoughts. As I said before, this 17th and 18th verses we see that their hearts were in a hardened or a calloused state. But since born-again Christians could have also an ignorance or a lack of truth in their consciousness or minds and thoughts, we also could be this way, as 1 Corinthians 8, 7-9 tells us. 
But notice first, in the reversed order of the 17th and 18th verses, the blindness deals with the hearted. The Greek word cardia is the word that sits here. Then it tells us also their understandings were darkened. The Greek word which stands beneath the English word understandings is the Greek word dianoiai, the Greek dative noun, which also comes from the same root noia and naos, meaning a thought of the mind. This Greek noun dianoia comes from two Greek words, dia, a preposition meaning through, and noia, naos, meaning a thought of mind. Together they mean active thoughts, or a thought of through the mind, or something that goes through your mind, which emphasizes thinking. Then the last word mind is the Greek noun naos, which stands here. We really have to think now. These two verses in Ephesians tell us that the heart had a blindness problem. And of course, we know that the heart, the word heart being figuratively used here, is speaking about our human spirit or inner man. And these verses tell us the heart, which was blinded because of the lack of truth, has a mind. And again, these verses tell us that the heart has the mind, and this mind in the heart could be active or thinking, which would mean it's thinking on something either of God or of the devil, which is, of course, worldly ideas.